Hello there, Friday Night Movie family. Before we get to today's program, I wanted to say a couple of words about this very special episode. As you know, we are huge fans of the program Dallas and Robo, which airs on YouTube's premium channel, YouTube Red. And we were lucky enough to be joined by the show's creator, animator, writer, director, Mike Roberts. And if you'd like to check out that show before you listen to today's episode, since we reference it quite a bit, I highly recommend going to YouTube and searching Dallas, like the city, and then Robo, and watching one or two of the episodes. I'm sure you'll be hooked the way we are. And if you'd like to follow along with Mike's amazing art, which we reference multiple times during the program, go to his Instagram page, instagram.com slash themikeroberts spelt like how you would think it would be spelt and check out he does a lot of uh, animation time lapses of his actual drawing and some 3d modeling and you get a real window into the incredible talent that is mike and again we're really lucky to have him join us today for what was a really fun conversation that spanned everything from his work to our favorite movies pre-1980 so sit back relax enjoy the show thanks as always for listening you're using the video feature. Hey, what am I not supposed to do? I can turn it off. Hold no, on. I can say highlight video. Hi. Hey. Um, well, well, we'll go back. We'll go to audio at some point, but I actually oh, can't no, see my. We've never done this. I'm taking a <laughs> picture of us. <laughs> I'm like an old Jewish mother. I have to take pictures of everything. <laughs> to another episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast, where I get together with my sisters and we talk about movies and television, and we invite you, the listener, to be a part of our family. However, this week, the family is is at two-thirds strength because our younger sister is uh, traveling in Copenhagen, but we have a special guest. We have Mr. Michael, or Mike Roberts, depending on how you know him, the creator of Dallas and Robo, the Juno Award-winning director of Rumble Seat. And for the Americans, the Junos are like the Grammys, but still with musical integrity. (laughs) And uh, he's also been the supervising director of an incredible show called Final Space. And uh, if you're a BoJack Horseman fan, the title sequences, this seems this is another one of his calling cards. But he's also just a super nice dude who was gracious enough to tweet back with us when we stumbled onto Dallas and Robo, which is a terrific show, and is going to endure both Lily and I today. So welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me. And you're calling in from California, so we have the California seat filled today. Yeah, I don't know where everybody is. I just realized. Oh. So I'm in Virginia, and Lily. And I'm I'm in Spain on a oh, wow. uh, in the Canary Islands. Yeah, oh, that wins. That's that's the winner. Oh, yeah. I didn't, it's not a contest. I, often, yeah. I mean, I often get made fun of my internet connection, but sure. We're 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 very. <laughs> Lily does everything Spanish style, and so she's often late to everything that we do, and <laughs> um, most of the time is locked out of her house as we're beginning the recording. I, I find I get into some shenanigans over here. So, um, and then Becky's in California. 
Oh, as okay. well. She's in San Fran. So, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So she, yeah, she's in San Francisco, and and but she, she, yeah, she had to travel for for this episode. But thank you for thank you for being here, uh, Lily. Before before we get going with Mike, how are you doing? I am good. I have a beef to pick with you because you and your dear wife. Like every time I think that your guys' movie taste can somehow come into like. A, a realm of mine you recommend a movie like overboard for me to watch and you're like yeah it was good and the movie was unwatchable i the only thing i can <laughs> compare it to like is maybe watching my little ponies if they were forced to like go in a hot tub and get thrown off a boat i can't figure <laughs> out what my meta like what how i could describe this movie in any other way than that and then um so First, yeah I'm anna ferris is anna ferris is a national treasure she, she is a national treasure but no that movie is just it's so hard to do that to the original, which is a classic. And um, I was, yeah, and I'm good, but I have to say that uh, uh, last week or the week before, I told a story of a meeting I had with an important like executive who like a cockroach fell on his head during that meeting, and it was really really bad. Then I was in a meeting with him two days ago at like a coffee shop, a very cool hip coffee shop, and. I was trying to, I could not keep a straight face as the never ending story theme music came on in a Muzak form. Like you're in an elevator. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. like jazzy, never like ending story. And I got Bossa Nova <laughs> yeah, beat. Of the never ending story. And I was like, why is this happening to me? Like, could not pay attention fully because I kept like nodding my head along. So it's been a week. I it does sound like you're being gaslit. Like someone's just doing <laughs> subtly weird things to the meetings you're having. I'm being exactly. I'm being sabotaged. Or, or Bill and Ted are dropping stuff from the future. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh. Good call. That's. I like that. The, Bill and Ted. There's a Bill and Ted potential. Bill and Ted three coming. By the way. There is one. I thought it was confirmed. Uh, yeah. I don't know, Mike. Have you heard about the Bill and Ted three? I've 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 only read on like blogs that it's the the on again off again. I always think that's just people like. Uh, uh, something happened with contract negotiation and they're trying to sort of play hardball and uh-huh. they come out and go, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore because the meeting didn't go very well. Oh, okay. And and then, oh, okay. Well, I, I hope we get it. I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of like, I, I know people don't like sequels, but, and this is going to segue right into our conversation with you, sir. But then something like Cobra Kai comes along and YouTube Red puts out Cobra Kai and that proves to you that if folks put a lot of heart and really care about where the story is going and stay true to what the promise of a particular property is, you can you can truly fall in love with any type of sequel or continuation of a story if it's not just a money grab. Yeah, it's, of course. And and so this is how we found our way to Mike Roberts because we finished Co- Cobra Kai and then the first show that came on to be promoted afterwards was this incredibly funny show um, but also has a ton of heart called Dallas and Robo, which I, I'd love to hear how you describe it. But in, in my mind, as I've described it for listeners many times, it's like truckers in space, um, but uh, with a ton of heart and that has that real buddy comedy feel to it that if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, it, it's totally there. And uh, it's got terrific voice actors and super writing and fun sci-fi concepts. And uh, it's animated, which we're big fans of. And so <laughs> we we then 
We then You've tweet- also described it as a show that you feel like somebody created in a lab just for you. Th- that's which I like that. That's totally true. We'll, we'll oh, get that's it. how I can describe things that I like. Oh. I'm like, oh man, someone made that for me. Oh, just yeah. for you. Yeah. That is a hundred. <laughs> that is a hundred percent how I feel about Dallas and Robo. And I so we tweeted out, and and lo and behold. Um, you and um, Andy Sipes, who I guess is one of your co-producers. Uh, uh, Writers, or, right? Yeah, he's a co-EP. He was a showrunner with uh, Matt Mariska. Uh, um, uh, we're kind enough to, to tweet with us back and forth, and it, it meant so much to us. And so now we're thrilled to have you on as a guest. So, Mike, welcome again. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, that's a pretty glowing review of the show. I appreciate it. Oh, man. It's uh, it's it's it's, to- great. it's totally a gem. I mean, really. And um, so can I – I'll start with my first question before we get into all the usual bits and, and spare you from having to talk about your actual work and we can get to <laughs> get to just being movie fans. Um, but – the the thing that I found in Dallas and Robo and then another show that you worked on called Final Space is this incredible sweet spot between comedy, action, and sincerity. And what I mean by sincerity is that with a lot of the adult marketed uh, animation that I watch, there's always this overbearing edge of irony that almost it's like you don't feel like you're truly being allowed to enjoy and invest. It's like, oh, don't love these guys too much. Right. It's like you have to be made fun a little bit for watching a cartoon as an adult. Sure. <laughs> and and I found in both of these projects that you were involved in, I was both allowed to laugh at adult type of humor, you know, but at the same time completely give myself over to the relationships between the characters and be allowed to say, wow, you know, Dallas and Robo are friends and they find their way back to each other. And they're very different, but they mean a lot to each other. So my question to you is, how do you, how do you as a director do that, and then or a creator do that, and and on top of that, do that with animation, a, me, a medium that there's a lot of baggage that comes with that in terms of how serious people are supposed to take it. Well, I mean, I think first of all, with Dallas and Robo, I mean that was the because I I'm, I'm probably this might be a weird way around <clears throat> the question, but. I feel like that's the tone, that's the thing that movies do really well and no one questions from movies. You know, you get yeah. like Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that or even like Ant-Man or so I'm trying to think of recent per, per, you know, those per examples. I, it made me yeah, it made me think of Guardians. Yeah, that and Final the, Space also made me makes me think of Guardians. Yeah, and I think that those th- that tone is very comfortable with people and I think people are used to it, but it it is mostly the domain of film. So, uh, with Dallas and Robo it was always supposed to be I remember, you know, frankly, the whole thing that the Dallas and Robo came from was when I was in, I guess, high school or even younger, a movie called Space Truckers came out. Yeah. And I remember thinking, because I'd, I'd been working on an idea where there were space truckers in it and thinking, man, this is such a, this is 80% there. Or I maybe, I mean, maybe you'd argue 20% there, but it, it just was like a great idea that was so insane that just <laughs> really stuck with me. And then... You have because you always like I always want to make like Smokey and the Bandit, the animated series or (laughs) Knight Rider, the animated series. But how do you kind of justify it? And the way you justify it is you go, well, let's make it insane and put it out in space. So (laughs) I feel like the tone in adult animation is is always like I, I think that's a great way to put it, that you sort of have to make fun of yourself for watching it. And I just think that's a hangover from a time where people had to convince you to watch the simpsons when that came out it was a uh, part of the story was that it was <clears throat> a grown-up cartoon was a was a narrative you had to tell you'd be like don't worry this is for adults 
And, and we're slowly working out of that. And I think that's where YouTube Red places like that come in because they, they're not so stuck on uh, four quadrant numbers, you know? Yeah. Like, so well, I think that's since you, it. Since you say that, I was reading an article. I don't know if it was the New York Times. Well, there was a, whatever. There's a bunch of articles, obviously, about Dallas and Robo. And one of them was mentioning how it was, you know, so great that YouTube Red picked it up. And or or I don't know exactly how it works, but you know what I mean. Yeah, said right. yes, they said yes. They did. And um, <laughs> and the funniest thing is that when uh, you know YouTube Red came out, I remember being like, like seeing it and being like, oh, another one of those. Like we have Hulu, we have Netflix, or the, you know the HBO, the Showtime, like all of these. I'm like, there's just there. How could you know? How could there be just one more streaming service that people are going to buy into? And YouTube is the you know what it is already. Mm-hmm. And then and then you realize that, oh, my God, there are so many great ideas. Like, I, I felt kind of silly because then after, you know, we, we obviously I saw Cobra Kai and Dallas and Robo. And then the idea is that, well, you know what? There are, th- thankfully, there are this many because it's a great opportunity to give more opportunities for cool shows that you won't get on, you know, a normal. It's amazing The Simpsons, of course, lasted, is still lasting this long on a network, you know, show, but probably the best content is not on those shows. So the more the merrier. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's what, that's I think what it is right now. We're in that time where uh, all the channels are trying to get the roots down. So you get a lot of interesting ideas that do or don't resonate with the audiences. But I think a lot of stuff is going to get made that otherwise wouldn't. That's, I think the most exciting thing. Like I think Dallas and Robo is like a, I, I love the idea. I, I, I just think it's a risky one to to take on if you're trying to compete with The Simpsons. You know, and that's where something like that new right. Mac Raining show, like that new Mac Raining show, is a lock. It's a perfect idea. It's brilliant. It's gonna, you know, w- no, I've never seen it, but all the pieces fall into place for it, and I understand why that could be the next big hit. You know, and because it, it's a, but Allison Robo is like a niche. You know, who's it? What's the audience? You have to ask yourself what the audience is. And I think until you see it, you don't really know if you're part of that audience. And and I think that that's, you know, what's so funny, though, is that those those types of shows, those types of shows where you're like, I don't exactly know who this is for. But the people but I, like I, it. I, I come back to your previous <laughs> point, the people who like it, love it because they feel like it was made for them. Like that's sure. if I if I go back to what Lily was was mentioning about what I said is that and, and I think YouTube. I, I mean, I assume they've already written you checks, but they owe you a check because when I um, when I signed up for Cobra Kai or when I signed up for YouTube Red, I fully intended to do the 30 days, watch Cobra Kai and jump exactly. off. <laughs> yeah. And then when I watched Dallas and Robo, A, like the timing originally took me a little bit over the 30 days. But also I was like, OK, you guys have my attention. I am going to stay subscribing because I – I'd like to see Cobra Kai again, but I'd also I I'd like I if there was like a form I could fill out that said YouTube Red, I am a subscriber because you have Dallas and Robo, um, <laughs> then I, I'll, I'll fill out that check form because <laughs> well, I kind of I, I, I kind of want to see what they would do next. And I promise we're not like we this is how we talk about the show. We really love it. This isn't we're not like sucking up to you. Oh no, 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 definitely no, no, no. are not nicer than we have to be. I can uh, promise you. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, you on that show you you have. Uh, you're some of the voice actors are some of my favorite people. And if you've been listening lately to the podcast, I've, I've been down a little bit of a wrestling rabbit hole. And I, and I generally think Cena, who I didn't even know as a wrestler at first is, is hilarious. And he's perfect, perfect on the show. And Kat Dennings been around forever, but in that group is Steven Root, 
mm-hmm. who I think is one of the all-time greatest um, uh, actor, comedians, whatever. He does everything. And um, do you have a do you have a character on this? So, so for me, that's the one where when I said when I saw Stephen Root in the credits, I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you have a, like a character on the show who the voice and the actor and how you design that character came out exactly how you would have imagined it, or you got the the dream person to do that voice? Well, I mean, I feel like I feel like. Um... Robo was always uh, it, that one was a bit more vague because you robots you hear in your head as you know anything from like Kit from Knight Rider to like <laughs> Marvin the paranoid android from <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide. So yes. you just have these. I feel like that one was very malleable. You know, it didn't really it wasn't a specific thing. So when John Cena came on board and he he sounds like a big guy, which is like funny. You For know, his sure. voice sounds like his physical presence, and he's really confident and sounds really smart for a like a big he sounds like a big smart dude you know and and so it just kind of fit it it, it wasn't necessarily like oh we were looking for john cena it's just that john cena made it his own but i would say dallas is probably the example of what you're talking about because dallas was one of those ones where no one could we didn't know what it was going to be and then as soon as cat dennings came in and did one line it it basically re it reversed history and then from <laughs> then on awesome. all you could think of was her so and I, I like i like that kind of casting where where it i mean by the way that happened for robo as well i just think that people were more attached to what dallas would sound like so therefore when it retroactively erased all of our memories it was uh more of a it was like okay thank god you know cuz jen john cena was involved so early that i don't think there was any anxiety about how that was going to play out. Whereas Dallas, um, you really have to get it right because as the New York times said, and this, I do have a proper source. He <laughs> said, and I'm going to quote the motor mouth Dallas saved from being unbearable by Ms. Dennings, unstoppable charm. And I, and I was reading that and I was like, you know, maybe that's true. I was like, <laughs> if it wasn't that voice who I love, I mean, having a quite hoarse, um, trucker voice myself I feel like I commiserate and I like that you know rest like I don't know her like tone and the way she says things in her dry wit and her character is extremely enjoyable I think a lot of it has to do with that voice that is able to say those words and of course like her look and everything like that now the art and all that but amazing casting there yeah, there's no question. I mean, she she just had yeah. It's, it's funny. It's sort of I would call that that's on the what do they call that? It's a compliment salt where it's like saved from being unbearable. It's sort of like right. But it's I mean, right. I I know it's exactly a backhanded compliment. No, but I'll take it because that was I mean the 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 genesis of Dallas is I always tell and it's I mean I tell it but it's also true is my uh, my wife she has right. this I, I read that out. yeah like we'll <laughs> yeah. go out and 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 you know have a couple of drinks and then she kind of gets it in her head that. She needs to sort of say the the most shocking thing to the closest person. Like, she, for example, like she'll see two, a couple on a date, and she goes up and is like, "When are you get married? When are you having kids? Who's who's? <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of thing." And you just watch their faces. And I have this like mixture of being amazed by it and also horrified, like right happening exactly parallel. You know, so. It's a great inspiration. Uh, yeah, she sounds so, like a a woman after my own heart. Yeah, no, it's the best, so. and and that's and it's hilarious and it's funny and and uh, and so when that's essentially the dynamic between Dallas and Robo is Dallas saying the thing and Robo kind of <laughs> trying to interpret it for humans, and that's that's what I I mean the the thing I like about the dynamic is it's 
Dallas, who's arguably a bad person, and Robo, who's a robot, who's a better person. And they're kind of <laughs> about the meaning of life. You know, that, that's the that was the the log like that was what I would say in the pitch meetings or even before pitch meetings. Because originally this thing was like a pitch for a show called Trip Tank. You know, even before that, it was like some comic strips I was doing. So it's been around oh, sort wow. of hooking for a while. That's really cool. And and so and just to take the compliment salts all the way into the compliment <laughs> zone. Sure. I, I think, and I don't know your wife, but I, she is also associated with the program correctly. Correct, correct? Yeah, she she's also, the voice she's of, a, uh, in, the, in the cold open of the first episode. Yeah, the, she was that, the, that, the couple that keeps recurring, which is, yeah, exactly. which is an amazing the, bit. That was such a bit. So, I but, love that bit. So the so, so but, but I think like the part about unbearable ties more to the notion of not being a good person, which is that there are some people who, who speak and behave that way in this world, and they really – you don't want anything to do with them. But then there are certain people that there's a warmth in there, and there's a being able to say it in a way that you can – feel a bit of a connection and a charisma that then sure. makes it all that enjoyable. So that's actually how I would see Kat, which is that Kat, Kat could be a, a Kat, uh, that's Kat's the actress. Dallas could be a, a, a kind of dark, she's a pretty dark character, right? She's an alcoholic. She, she cheated in racing, sure. but, but Robo wants to be her friend. And, and so you kind of want to be her friend too. And you see that friendship because she has that charm and that charisma and it, it all works. That's built into the character, I think, as much as anyone who would do the voice. So, well, and listen, it's, it's, it's well-trodden territory of ways. Is that the right word? It's well, the path is well-worn. And, and, and I say that, you know, like that's like Mal from Fi- uh, Firefly talking about other kind of oh, okay. made for me shows, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. like, like it, it loves that show. Yeah, I mean, it, but yeah. but he's the perfect example of the anti-hero. He right. he to his, I mean, and it's funny they just did it in Mission Impossible Six. Like I'm kind of in, in, in obsessed with that movie right now because of how many things they got right with the Ethan Hunt character along those lines of self, like willing to destroy everything for the singular point that he's trying to make. Oh, um, wow, which is great because that's what. Uh, I don't want to spoil the movie, but like that's what leads to the audience going is this person's motivate. What are these person's motivations? You know, and that uh, obviously that's not quite her <laughs> at all what Dallas Roba does. But you want to have that feeling of this person could make a bad choice. What how will they make a good choice? What there's no drama. If you know, that's, I think, why people have trouble with Superman, because it's always going to be the right choice. So you don't there's no drama or there's no worry about what they're going to do or then when he makes an odd choice like at the end of the man of steel movie and he kills zod and you're kind of like huh that doesn't you know they backed you yeah. into this corner with him that then uh, sorry keep going. no I'm go ahead They've i'm been, an interrupter i don't mean to no 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 you should be that's terrible. you're at our dinner table that's the way <laughs> no i was just gonna say about that like i'm actually an apologist for that moment in man of steel i think the issue is they didn't earn it in the movie oh, you know like that's I, a good I point think him yeah but i i think it's also I think it's also because he sounds like he's from Brooklyn. That's the problem. <laughs> no, listen, I, the problems are, are are huge. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I think that moment. I think people fixate yeah. on, and I think were it earned, people would. I think sure. when they were making the movie, they probably went, "Oh my god, this is gonna like inform exactly. the future, and it's gonna blow everybody's mind." And I'm not uh, from a writing perspective. I get it. I just think that you it has to, to be s- executed well, though. Exactly. Well, you get mm-hmm. executed. It's cool. Fun. Cool. Uh, well, I got so, some industry uh, terms in my pocket. <laughs> no, um, I executed General Side. Oh no! <laughs> Sorry, we're not that swift, Mike. Um, so no. I'm gonna wrap. I'll, I'll wrap up our little interview part so we can get to the to the us all geeking out together, not just Lily and I geeking out on you. Um, 
is my daughters, believe it or not, have watched. Mm-hmm. My daughters are seven and five. Uh, you're, are you a parent? Do you talk about your fan? I don't know. Yeah. Talk- okay. Yeah, no. Okay. A so great you- wife and a great kid. Okay. Awesome. I mean, he's okay. He's so, fine. Um, we all have it's different all right. people have different comfort levels talking about family. Anyways, <laughs> so um, so I've got two daughters, a seven year old and a five year old, and I like to push the envelope of what they're allowed to watch. Sure. And I have watched some Dallas and Robo with them, and like and- social services might get wind. It's to the <laughs> point where. I don't it's a bit much. I don't want to. I feel like we're constantly on the razor's edge. My son is he's self centered or self censors. He he's like, nope, not that one. <laughs> That's like Shy's little one. She'll be like, no, 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 daddy. This is too much. Yeah. yeah. So Dallas and Robo, I've watched a little bit with them. And uh my older daughter, who um in particular has taken a cartooning class and she loves oh. art and writing and uh, she wanted me to relay to you one thing was she says, please tell him uh, that she loves the show and thank you for making it. Great. Okay. So, and then <laughs> she asks um, uh, two questions. Uh, one is, uh, one is, um, are you famous? She wants to know if you're famous. And then the other one she wants to know is, uh, who, what was your favorite cartoon growing up? Oh, okay. Well, the first question I think is uh, I'm still working on respected by my peers. I think that's the first stage. Uh, and then uh, my favorite cartoon growing up. Oh, wait. Did you guys just hear a bing from my instant message there? Is that going to mess nope. you guys up? No. No. Nope. Uh, didn't hear it. No. My, um, Don't worry. This, my, is, this is one step above Wayne's World. Okay. okay. No, I, I, I'll take Wayne's World. The, uh, so the, 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 my favorite cartoon growing up. Oh man, that is a tough one. I usually had really obscure likes. Like my favorites were like Mask or like Oh uh, dude, Mask Super is Hot. amazing. I've watched Mask yeah. with my kids. They love Mask. This is going to blow their mind when they hear this. Yeah, Mask was good. Uh Real Ghostbusters was a big one for me oh. when I was growing up. Oh, I love that. I, I, that. But I mean like that's that's like a tough one cuz it's like there's it's there's so many. But I would I'll you know what? I'll go with uh I'll go with Silverhawks. Because I remember <laughs> having a, a singular obsession with that show. Like, yeah. to the point where I was, I was like, Thundercats, what's wrong with you guys? These guys are in space. Yeah, what, Bluegrass was the one with the guitar? I mean, it's so bad. Looking back, they're, 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 they're like, <laughs> I want, I, can you, Mike, I would enjoy this. If you could just pitch the concept of Silverhawks to my sister, Lily. Lily, play the executive for just a moment. <laughs> Go. Okay, so you know we're having, like, a lot of... We're having a lot of success with with Thundercats, right? Mm-hmm. What if we did exactly that, but they're in space? <laughs> they're, there's cats. Well, no, no, no. They're not cats. They're like they're like birds, I guess. So they're like <laughs> birds, right? And and they still have a ship. That's and, so much better. Yeah, and like one of them's he's not a bird. He's got a guitar. Are you with me? <laughs> And what do you think about that? And instead of like a, a cool mummy dude in a pyramid, we've got like a guy who's in jail and he gets super mad and gets scary and big. And you're like, why doesn't he just stay scary and big the whole time? You're like, don't worry about it. Something before this pitch. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, yeah. did you it take like something a this terrible pitch? show? Yeah, it does. It, it, it is a terrible show. But I think but, that's the but problem. You loved it. And that's what matters. But that was an era of su- like all of those cartoons. Like we're so cool. <laughs> I know. I love those cartoons. That I wanna, I, I'm with you, man. Yeah, like I just think I think like you get, and I think it's that 
that feeling of, you know, everyone looks back and says, wow, the 80s, you know, cocaine was a hell of a drug. You know, that is like a you weird You can see it in the cartoons. No question. Yeah. I mean, like, like sometimes I'm like, man, maybe I would have been a much more prolific creator if I followed those uh those rules of the 80s <laughs> like we have to be we have to be so careful now all i have is coffee this is so boring <laughs> well on coffee you're still making pretty good stuff yeah. oh man well, i i drink a lot of coffee that's my my you know what it is my my goal in life is to get um famous enough that someone sends me free coffee oh i i, I you know what i know a guy who runs a coffee roasting thing maybe i'll 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 hook you up maybe he'll send you some coffee <laughs> i'll write a maybe, show about it maybe it maybe he wants maybe he'll want his um uh it's very cool it's this amazing uh business he started as a side project nonprofit that um that essentially empowers co- coffee growers in central america to sell directly to roasters all around the world anyways he's this amazing dude you know, that sounds know. great. Maybe you could, you put a <laughs> put a small and and it's apparently great coffee, and he expertly pours it as well. So I'm gonna give well, hell, that, I'll go buy some. I'm gonna give some a shout out to Ben. Ben, you're a super guy. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So all right. So now we're we're getting into the we're getting into the the, the nitty gritty of things that of things that you like, and we are going to invite you to play. What I would say is our – do we have a – Lily, is this an, allu, an allu, a delusions of grandeur moment, our signature game that I think we have a signature Oh, no, game? absolutely. We have definite – no, this is not. I have plenty of delusions of grandeur, which I accidentally called illusions of grandeur for a long time. <laughs> and um, this is not one of them. This is like our most famous bit. Okay. It's so, a big deal. So this is – so we're going to invite You're you. You're welcome, Mike Roberts. No, I think the show <laughs> seems much more structured than you guys make it out to be. Like I don't know if it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you're if you're negging yourself. But like I I, uh, I think the show – when these segments are what make it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that that makes me fun. happy. I love the segments. All right. So we're going to play Buy, Rent, Meh. Mm-hmm. Buy Rent Meh is the official rating system of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. <laughs> and think of it in terms of you're sitting on your couch and you're making the decision to buy a movie, add it to your library, which means you're paying about 20 bucks on iTunes or maybe see it in the theater. Uh, or rent it, meaning eh, if it was the 80s, you'd be spending four bucks to rent it from the, uh, in our case in Montreal, Westmount Video. I don't know. Where, where, you're Canadian as well. Mm-hmm. You were raised in which part of Canada? Toronto, actually, oh, yeah. Okay, Toronto. Scarborough slash, yeah. Oh wow, Scarborough. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, that's a legendary uh, town, man. It's the Scarborough is ironically very similar to uh, L.A. in the kind of in seriously. The kind of, yeah, it's got a said it's got no a, one ever. No, no, I'll tell you why. They both have like a kind of a, a hapless, uh, nar- uh, what is it, um, nihilistic sprawl. Like you just kind oh. of like we're just gonna <laughs> keep driving. This road just keeps going. You know, how many mini malls can you put in a place? <laughs> how many strip malls can we fit? Oh, that's wild. Except that you get to the ocean on one side, which I think is. Although you, they have the, the woods and stuff up north. It's, it's, I think it's like Twilight Zone LA or oh, that's, the other way. So, so Scarborough is important for two reasons as far as I can tell beyond now being your home and Twilight Zone LA. But of course, the originating home of the Bare Naked Ladies. And, yes. Uh, and an often used setting in the TV show Orphan Black. We, we, that's true yeah no my my really good friend john lang does all the sound for from black he's like oh. a, i think he's like super involved in that show oh and, my god so not only are you you know being recognized by your peer but you were peers but you're also famous by association because you know that guy yeah i mean <laughs> that john show Lang's, is amazing he's one of those guys that like everyone who knows him's like yep 
He's one of the good guys. Yeah. That well, show is awesome. That that show is um that And it's hard for me to we we've we've argued about or discussed that it, you know, I love that show so much, but a great part of my love comes from how Canadian it is. <laughs> just makes me feel It is like very home. Canadian. I love it. I think like that show I'm obsessed with even just for the sense of like how much that actress has to spend on oh, set yeah. all day. Like that is an exhausting show to make. And the lines that she has to learn. Sure, yeah. Yeah, she is as far as I'm concerned the best actress. Like not like yeah. best actress for a particular year or an award. She's the best actress. Someone brings me someone else and try to convince me maybe, but she's got she's got the as John Cena might say, she has the title belt as far as I'm concerned right now. Tatiana <laughs> Maslany. So no, there's no question she got that role, you know, like she got that role. Um, so yeah. buy rent is, you know, like I said, you're kind of middle of the road and meh, meh, you get to kind of define what meh means. Meh doesn't have to be, you yeah, hate it. It, changes. it could, it, and it really depends on the way you say it. Um, uh, and so it's however you say it in the moment you, you, you explain it. So we're going to, we, we came up with a few fun categories for you. We okay. may or may not play along. You can ask us to play along. <laughs> um, okay. uh, the first category is impossible, so have fun with that. Uh, so I, I, I decided to get a little bit nerdy with animation with for you, if that's okay. No, and, these are good. I, yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw three animators at you um, whose names start with B, Legends. Don Bluth, yep. who gave us American, oh, no, sorry, the second one. American Tale. Uh, yep. uh, Ralph Bakshi, who gave us the super weird version of Lord of the Rings and yep. the, the Mighty Mouse we watched the in Hobbit. the 80s. Uh, no, the he, Hobbit, did, he yeah. didn't do The Hobbit. That's Rankin and Bass. He didn't do The Hobbit? Oh. No, he did the just the weird Lord of the Rings. and Oh, who did the Hobbit? Isn't there a Hobbit that's like that? Yeah, but that's that's uh, Rankin and Bass. That's just more straightforward. Animation. Yes, yeah, okay, okay. Um, uh, and then um, a more contemporary dude, uh, Brad Bird. So, Never heard of him. You serious? <laughs> No, no, I'm just joking. I'm like, I'm kidding. I've heard you obsessed. Okay, I'm, like, I'm pretty heard sure. Of I'm pretty sure. Or Bluth, because no one has, but Brad Bird, he gets. <laughs> <laughs> and I realize this is tough. These are people in your industry that you know. So you know, Lily. Oh my cheats. god, this one is not tough. <laughs> the second one is tough. I'll just do it for you, Mike. This one's super easy. <laughs> oh wait, no, I guess I could go, right? Yeah, yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, okay. you, you go. I'm slowing this the whole thing down. I'm terrible at this. Okay. Don Bluth. I mean, he's like uh he was the only guy to sort of take on Disney and win for a little while. And I feel like he uh Ooh. he sort of re well, I don't know if he's the only one, but I'll say he's famous in my lifetime for doing that. And uh I think what he did was basically shake up how things get made and what's good and what's bad. And he all, all the Bluth films are essentially I'm sure he went, God, I hate making all these kind of saccharine safe movies. And then he, he did, he, he sort of the John DeLorean of, of, um, uh, movies where, or of our animation where he went and made the crazy films that I'm sure he was ranting and raving about wishing to make while he was working at Disney. <laughs> and he went to Ireland and did it. And, and, you know, my family is are Irish immigrants when I, when they were teenagers. So it's like, I get it. Oh, wow. Like it's, it's like a cool, I don't know. I have a lot of affection for him and, uh, the, the stuff that he made. So I would say, God, where would I put him? I'll put him. I probably I, I know the order already is by Brad Bird, Rent, Don Bluth, only because of my, like I said, love for Brad Bird. And then um, meh for Ralph Bakshi, because I uh, think of him like, um, I don't know. He's like a Joseph Boys in a sense. Like I don't always get it, but I know why he's important. Yeah, and okay. and gotcha. so, so like I, I wouldn't 
probably I, I have a hard time sitting through like a Bakshi film and that makes I'm sure that that there there's people who will be angry that I say that but Don Bluth I think every no one is going to be angry that you said that <laughs> well we, I don't know uh, anima- us animators can be pretty um no. focused everybody's patient. fine with it very patient and then, everybody's yeah Brad Bird is sorry I keep yeah. talking about you guys no um, that's fine Brad Bird is like um you know he he is when I saw the Iron Giant I was like okay we, we this is what animation can be that I, th- I actually think Iron Giant more than anything else was the that that to me was the the the, the I guess the starters pistol for adult content. I, in these yeah, kind of- I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think that is definitely like a, I feel like a shared feeling. I know that for our brother in law animator person, he I know that movie is super important. Yeah. Um, and I saw like that long- same way. Someone mm-hmm. dragged me to it too. Like my friend Diego, in, in in animation school, was in classical animation school when that came out. It was it was a real change in the way we were all looking at stuff. Wow, so yeah, cool. so I had to buy Brad Bird, <laughs> and also Ratatouille is my favorite animated film. Oh yeah, I think really uh, Vlad likes that movie a lot too. Oh, there you no, go. it's I think it's it's art. It's it's one of the few animated films that is like a film without needing to mention the animation and that's really hard to do yeah that's really cool that's a cool way to look at all right okay so you have created one of my sci-fi favorite sci-fi heroines in dallas (laughs) but now i want to put you on the hot seat and this one's impossible and work with some of and and see by rent meh some of the greatest sci-fi heroines of all time ellen ripley from alien Mm -hmm. Who Lily, by the way, is like she doesn't have a first name. Stop. I was like, I cannot believe on the notes you put her name as Ellen Ripley. It does kind of diminish it it a little. It's 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 like insulting her. Yeah. Just Ripley. Ripley also sounds like ripped, and has got a lot of good sounds. Yeah. Now I I didn't even know her name was Ellen, and I'm a little bit annoyed at the movie. Like Barbara Ripley. Exactly. (laughs) Like Tiffany Ripley. They might as well call her (laughs) Tiffany. That was what Newt took on, actually. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, good callback with Newt. That's awesome. Oh, man. We could do a whole episode just on the Alien franchise. Oh, of course. Um, the, okay. the, the cold open of Term- Alien 3. There's, an, there's a whole episode there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, Princess Leia, Organa. Okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, Sarah Connor from Terminator, who Lily just highlighted to me um, in the news. She's that back. She's back, and yeah. whatever the next version of the Terminator movie is. So I like that the new version of reboots is is sequels. I feel like they the pendulum swung back a little bit. They just yeah. you know what I mean, which is I think good. I think that's a, an interesting way to handle it. God, this is a tough one. Okay, okay. Do I have is it is it mess up your thing if I talk through the my process? No, no, no that's not. exactly you feel how it, it works, man. Exactly, it's like therapy. You just talk it through. <laughs> So I feel like Ellen Ripley immediately is in a category of her own because it's like the she dealt she dealt with the impossible foe because those those movies genuinely create an impossible foe as you're watching them. And then when you get out, it's like, holy shit, barely. Everything's a barely, like, you know, like the Indiana Jones, the door's coming down and go, reaches in and grabs his hat. Like that's Ellen Ripley in all these movies. Yeah. So Princess Leia, I think Leia, she she Leia. she. The only thing I'll say is that she, her role in the first couple, God, this is a tough one. I'm actually, cause I'm even like, I'm even like someone who thought her, um, uh, floaty stuff in last Jedi. I was going to say she did fly through space. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So here I'm going to put Sarah Connor. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, what? You liked that? (laughs) Her Peter Pan move? (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, here's what I, here's what I, I like that in principle. 
because I like the idea that she's sort of like a pocket Jedi. I oh. think that was a really cool sure. thing. Pocket Jedi, okay. So it's like she's like because what what I and by the way, this is I am forgiving the moment, not justifying the movie oh, because okay. I have a lot to say about that movie. Oh. But yes. um, not, but I, I have to go back to therapy if you bring it up. Like I'm not getting <laughs> no. Okay, like, well let's let's not. Affected we'll, we'll, his psyche deeply. <laughs> but think about how great it is that that she's a general and like some idiot comes up to her and is talking shit and she's like. Don't worry, you will lower your tariffs, you know. And then, like, <laughs> he goes, "Yes, I will lower my tariffs because she's a pocket Jedi." So that floating through space thing made that that sold that for me. That she uh. had she had this otherworldly presence that justified her being the leader of the whole thing. Now, how it visually was, how right. how drawn then we out can it was, discuss it. Should it maybe perhaps be executed in a different way? Sure. Yeah, exactly. The execution, I'm not justifying, but the, the care, I think that did a lot for her legend and that I really liked. So I will here, I'm I going to go, I think I can do this one. I'm going to mess Sarah Connor. And, I'll, and the main reason is because I think only in Terminator 2, did you really get an impression of who that is? And I think she was flawed enough that it wasn't, um, there's no, like, I wouldn't pick point. Sarah Connor as the leader of my mission. Whereas mm. Ellen Ripley or. Oh, that's a good, very good point. So I You're think right. I can, she's kind of a little bit unstable, unstable in terms of like, yeah, she's not exactly reliable as a leader, although she's a badass. Total badass and and a, and a genuine, like it's the same, I wouldn't pick like uh, Bruce Willis from Die Hard, you know? It's like a crapshoot. So mm-hmm. uh, Princess Leia and Ellen Ripley. I think I gotta go with Ellen Ripley because she's cooler. And I'll just oh, do yeah. that. Yeah. I think right. that's straight. So it's by Ellen Ripley, uh, Ren, Princess Leia, and meh, Sarah Connor. Now, now there, these can never be right or wrong, but that was correct. <laughs> so, okay, so so now I'm, I'm gonna I get a, I get another geek question for you. Yeah. So you sure. you're you're in eighties now. Does if I do the voice guys, are those familiar to you? If I do the eighties voice actors, I definitely know who they uh what they sound like. Okay, so there's so the trans Transformers in the eighties. This one we can go quickly. Um, so I I love those eighties cartoons, and some of those voices to me can never be recreated, and they never have been, effectively. Um, and uh, within Transformers, you had three of the actors who were so significant. And one of them is Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime. Yeah. Chris Latta as Starscream. Also, he was Cobra Commander. And yeah. then Frank Welker as Megatron. But Frank Welker also is kind of one of the you know, titans of, of voice, as far as I know. Where were, how, how would you, what would you do with those guys? Well, I think you got to put Peter Cullen in by because I feel like that ends up being the narrator of your life. You know, Every- <laughs> oh my, that would be a great movie. I would watch that. That's what, like I feel like even the movie, the movie trailer guy is like he's got a picture of Peter Cullen on his wall. You know, so it's <laughs> it's like he sort of set a standard. Same with when 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 you have like Orson Welles. Like, there's no other voice like that. So uh, they, they I, would, I like that image of him having like, you know, the, instead of like the Leonardo DiCaprio poster or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He just he's, has Peter Cullen on his wall. This one's for you, Pete. And then he's like, <laughs> today, tonight, <laughs> yeah. in a world. Um, in a world. Uh, Chris Lada, I would say I would go uh, as my rent because he's, it's just so, um, I, I, well, and you said it, Cobra Commander. Those are both such iconic sounding things that there's comedy in it there's there's a lot actually being done with that voice it's funny it's scary it's you know it's it's real stakes but you also want to spend time with that character <laughs> um and then i would say megatron uh frank welker not as familiar with his other work and i would say megatron is the least memorable of all that yeah. so i'm gonna have to by default go with man and apologies to frank welker i'm sure he's a fantastic performer <laughs> but, yeah um absolutely okay all right oh, okay so oh. 
Oh, oh. no, no, wait. Can't I go? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he has no idea no. what we're talking about. Uh, my, oh, oh. my bye is the girl that voiced Ariel and the Little Mermaid. Okay? <laughs> that is that? like concocted in a DNA lab voice of a Disney yeah. character. Uh, okay. And I have nothing else to say about this topic. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, last but not least. So I, I picked three 80s movies that are kind okay. of cult favorites. Some, I mean, Goonies is bigger than others. But Goonies, sure. Buckaroo Banzai, Big Trouble in Little China. Which the tagline from Dallas and Robo is a play on, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's funny. Those and the poster that... kind of looks like it. There's like a poster well, that, was... that kind of has a big. Oh God, I'm forgetting the guys. There's a guy who did that. Oh man, I'm gonna. I I, I would love it if you mentioned him in the uh, post credits. I don't have his name off the top of my shout- head. What's that? The shout outs. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it and we'll shout it out to him. Um, he did a great job in that poster. And uh, I think that, to be honest, that was the cruise application because I'm I like the Trouble in Little China, but it's not on my obsessive list. So it's you know like I love John Carpenter and and uh, but I, Big Trouble in Little China is great to me. But the problem with that movie is it scared me terribly as a kid. So I I mm. didn't you're, I didn't get into the perpetual cycle of it. You're with the right crew. We got scared of everything as kids. Is yeah the, no like is the name sorry. of the artist Noah Patrick Farr? That sounds right. Okay, because he has a website. Where he talks about making, yeah, it, so. yeah. no, it's awesome, and and he it's it's one of those ones where they they were like, hey, Mike, someone did a, a big trouble from Little China poster. It was like, oh, how good is that going to be? And then I saw it, and I was like, whoa! Mm-hmm. So it's it they did a great job, or he did a great job, but um, but yeah, so that movie, uh, that movie on here, okay, I'm just going to be honest here, I'm not the hugest Goonies fan, okay. and I interesting, and the plot thickens, yeah, and then Buckaroo Banzai I think is too weird to not like. But too weird to not to not hate to hate. Wait, it's right. It's right. It's almost like it gets a pass. It's like uh, if if the aliens came down and went, we made you a movie. You'd be like, oh, thanks. And that's (laughs) That's amazing. Except that it has Jeff Goldblum in it. So those are some pretty hot aliens. No, and and but th- that's right. Like Peter Weller is amazing. It's it's there's so much good stuff in it. But if you're right, if aliens found humans attractive. Goldblum and Weller would be at the top I, of the, the list. In the 80s, these are like these, you guys are human incredible specimens. But also, <laughs> welcome possibly, and they just that but movie. possibly able to mate with aliens, right? Like, you don't look at Tom Cruise sure. and think that guy could mate with a, with a Martian. But Peter right. Weller, Peter Goldblum, Weller definitely sure. can. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, his, it's like you can scale his eyes up 90% and you still have Peter Weller. <laughs> no, and that's that's a great example for Jeff Goldblum. But wait, didn't he play an alien in another movie? It was like Earth Girls Are Easy or Earth something. Girls are easy. Oh yeah, that's yeah, fun. yeah. I mean, then he turned himself into a fly. There's a whole. Oh man, see, that's the that's a ten. Uh, what is it? Testament to uh, testament. Well, is that the right word? Oh my god, testament. Yeah, testament. Um, I've only had six cups of coffee, so I'm not oh. I'm not kidding <laughs> yeah. yet. But um, the, the my thing about Jeff Goldblum is that, is he's like uh. The fact that he can go through that movie and have sort of that body horror ending of that movie and you still think of him attractive. Oh, I had an article yeah. with my sister about it. Exactly. Yeah, like that's some intense yeah. stuff. Because you remember, remember the Frankenstein? I think it was uh, the the Robert De Niro Frankenstein. De Niro, oh yeah. Helena Bonham Carter, when she turns into the bride of Frankenstein and then breaks the lamp over her head, I still have, I'm traumatized by that. <laughs> to the point where, like, I, I love her so much. And, like, one of my favorite movies is Fight Club, and I have a hard time, like, looking at her in that movie because all I can think about is her smashing that lamp. I love this whole, like, confessions of Mike Roberts. Like, the things <laughs> no, that I have, I, terrified you. 
Uh, I am like, I am I'm I like enjoying this too much, right? I'm like lost in this. So, so wait, I got to do a buy rent. I would say uh, uh, buy. No, but, but this is that you turn into an animated series. So your oh, buy rent yeah, yeah, right, isn't right, just right, how right, much right, you right. love them. It's buy rent. No, you're man, right. Which ones you world. would turn? Yeah, creating Creature their animated right. series. I just would go with that's my gut. I stick by it. I think Buckaroo Banzai is like a close second because uh, to Big you, Trouble. Yeah, Big Trouble first. Buckaroo Banzai second because I feel like you can do a Rick and Morty thing with Buckaroo Banzai that's pretty linear. And then Goonies, I think, is the one that everyone has tried to make 50 times in different incarnations. And that is why I don't love that movie so much. Because I feel like Goonies is, um, it, Goonies is a um, amalgamation of ideas rather than there's the, the why of that movie. Because it's like, okay, kids and they're, they're free. Like, to me, Goonies is done better by freaks and geeks. You know, like that's oh, where I'm at. With that. like, that's oh, such a great, oh, that's a great comparison. I, I think that the spirit of Goonies is alive in other places, and I'm not going to say Stranger Things. I like it, but I'm not the hugest fan of that. Well, show. I think it's obvious that yeah. But but obvious. I think whenever you get a really good group of kids solving a, a big thing together, and for me, this show on Netflix called Troll Hunters, the Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, that's great. I once tweeted at the guys who run that show. I imagine, by the way, you and all the other like animation geniuses just like hang out and draw pictures for each other this is in my head um the the brothers hag hagman hagenman um uh i i tweeted once at them and i said hey this show's amazing it, for my kids it's becoming like a goonies because they love the the characters so much and they wrote back and said oh that was one of the inspirations for the for for that show and and in my head i was kind of like oh, i kind of enjoy troll hunters more than goonies <laughs> but i don't want to like i don't want to put them in the position to have to you know, to to to, to, um, to to thank me for that because I'm sure they, they, I'm sure they don't want to upset anybody. Um, okay, cool. All right, so then then now we're gonna talk about. So you you play along for us. Now we are gonna do your topic, which you brought to okay. us. Which at first, admittedly, when you when you get when you first gave us some options, and I was talking to Lily, and I said, "Yeah, one of them's pre nineteen eighty movies," but I'm like, what is this? "We're just gonna write a we're gonna talk about Dog Day Afternoon for like twenty five minutes," and <laughs> um, and then Lily and I started listing movies before nineteen eighty, and we realized, "Oh, that was most of the movies we saw as kids because we were early eighties kids." It's not like, sure. Um, uh, and and I actually ended up having a a terribly hard time coming up with my list, but I have a list. You got a list. Lily's got a list. Do we want to sh – shall we do it like in a round, like number 10, number 9, number 8, number 7? Do I have 10? 1, 2, three, I didn't. Four, I thought it was 5, five six, but I can – Oh, nine. well, you know what? Why oh, don't, why don't I have we, 9. <laughs> why don't we do 5 and okay. and why don't we do 5 and then um, and then we can talk about some honorable mentions because 10 might okay. take a really long time. All right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. Coming in at number 5, Mr. Roberts, who do you got? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with all the presidents men. By the way, I'm gonna preface this by saying that I tried to make like my go-to like watchable ones. So I'm not. These are this isn't like the best. I oh. this is kind of an obnoxious. No, these are category. ones that are close to your heart. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. These are ones that I could watch any day, a million times over, that affect everything I do at all times. If you judge life. me by my list, you'll think I have mental problems. So <laughs> things that are close to your heart end a story. Okay. Okay. So oh, yeah. we got. Number five is uh, Alan Paul. Pul I don't know how to spell his Pakula. Um, All the President's Men with oh. um, uh, Woodward and Bernstein's story. I think it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Watergate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's about Watergate. It's sort of like it never gets old. It's the perfect example of Redford. how you talk through an entire film. What's that? It's Robert Redford. Yeah, Robert Redford. I mean, and 
Dustin Hoffman? Yeah, it's like yeah. the it, it, and because there's another one on my list that's similar, and it's it's way closer to the top of my list, and it's a similar like heroes of the '70s. But then we go to French Connection, William Friedkin. That movie just does so many things right, uh, and and it's like there's a scene in that movie for how to do almost anything you need to do in a movie. Uh, oh, cool. And then North by Northwest is is uh, is my favorite Hitchcock movie because it's so watchable and feels very modern in spite of what it is. It's the movie that I would love to see. It's the movie I'd love to see animated, you know, like that one done by, I know it's not going to happen and whatever, but, but if I were to throw like, okay, so just to reference something else, I, we, we all, we watched rumble seat in getting ready for (laughs) this, which was your animated film. Um, and you know how the way the, the, you, you do stuff with the backgrounds that are kind of moving, like the, the perspective and moving. It's like a weird, like, uh, collage 3D effect. Yeah. Is that yeah. is that what you're thinking in terms of the North by Northwest animation? Is that what... Yeah, that movie feels really surreal. By the way, those backgrounds are by a guy named Stu Jones. He's, he's the best. Um, cool. The, uh, it's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. The, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that movie just feels surreal the whole time. Like, it really gets you... Even the fact with the way that they sort of cop on to him being the the wrong guy doesn't even follow a narrative i feel like they would try to justify that differently in in modern movies they just get into it it's like hmm. they just pick the wrong guy and, and and the whole movie feels like that when the paranoia i mean you know they, uh, there's books written about the crop duster scene but just the way sure. that feels, you're like what's happening is this even real and you start to want like there's so much drinking and weird uh, stuff that goes on that just feels really surreal. And I think it would make a really cool surreal animated movie. That's awesome. Um, do you know what the tagline? Like, I love that. One of my favorite thing is taglines or like movie mm. poster lines <laughs> from the seventies or like whatever pre now. And the tagline from this movie is only Cary Grant and Alfred Hitchcock ever gave you so much suspense in so many directions imagine that being a tagline today (laughs) i feel like though like i like the idea though it's like man every weekend these guys are trying but the only guys who can pull it off (laughs) do it in this many directions ever are these people are tired out by it like oh not another attempt okay (laughs) finally we got cary grant okay let's see what these guys do that's awesome um all right so so we got we got three yeah, and then the next one is Parallax View, which is another Alan P- Pakula film, uh, which is probably like that. that's my one that I bring up because it's the one that I feel like very few people have seen that I think is the most important of the list. Like that's a movie I have never that, seen it, but now I want I will oh, see it. Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty is also the argument for like uh, I'm sure that they were pissed off they couldn't get him to play Superman. I mean, I I think Christopher Reeves like the perfect Superman, but Warren Beatty in Parallax View looks like Superman. Oh, um, and uh, anyway, but that movie's about like conspiracy and and oh man, is it ever topical and cool? Uh, and it also has a a run like it, it to me. It's it's a lot like um, Clockwork Orange, but much more kind of gritty and real. Um, and then the f- number one is a recommendation of I I saw it because of a teacher in college named Jerry Zeldin, who's probably the most important. Um, visual storyteller of my you know he's the he's the person who taught me the most about visual storytelling uh jerry zeldin at sheridan and uh he always was you know bashing this movie sorry bashing into our heads this movie night of the hunter with uh robert mitchum and holly hunter charles lawton directed and it is uh i think it's like 50 oh my god i gotta figure out the year it's like early 50s 55 55 yeah and it is it does so many inventive things that shake you up about how like if you if you're like god i don't know how to frame this or i don't know how to am handle i crazy this. did you just say robert mitchum and 
Holly Hunter. Uh, yeah, you? except I'm. <laughs> You mean Shelly Winters? You mean Shelly Winters, because Holly Hunter, I'm pretty sure, was born around then. I do mean uh, Shelly Winters, and I don't know my brain. Because you look at the cover with this woman holding on to this man's arm, I would be like, oh, that's a creepy movie if Robert Robert Mitchum and Holly Hunter had an affair. It's the night of the hunter, so I see where you got confused. Man, I wish I I could have kept that going. I was like, no, it's Holly Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, can I just tell you the tagline from this one? Yeah, sure. This morning we were married, and now you think I'm going to kiss you, hold you, call you my wife? That oh my is not the poster. Well, have you you guys have seen have you seen this one? No, no I've never heard of this one for in any great detail. It's kind of one of those things where you'll go through it and you'll go, uh this this one is the film school for a lot of people. You know, in the way that sort of um uh What's the first one? I was going to say Orson Welles. Citizen Kane is the movie that made movies better. This one is the secret movie that made movies better. Oh, okay. I get it. That's great. That's cool. Yeah, it's really dark and intense. Man, there's some shots in this movie. Like, uh, I'll just say, like, there's an underwater shot that is, like, it'll stick with you. And it's really, really, really intense. They do things like there's a scene where someone goes down to a cellar. And they, I think they built the cellar on a set and then pulled the camera way back. So it's, you know, that thing that um, uh, Wes Anderson would dig into oh, where he yeah. pulled the camera back and you'd see the whole set. They mm-hmm. do that, but but in the world. So it's not a gag. Like, you don't see the, the actual set. They, like, mat boxed it out. But you see this geometric shape of stairs going down to a um, cellar and then a boxed out cellar. And oh, it's the cool. craziest shot. You could never see it because I'm also like I'm also like a big fan of the way Hitchcock looked at things. And he was he. You ever hear him talk about the those refrigerator shots? Is uh, this a is this a thing to get down? I'm gonna if I get into why this movie's no, so great. No, 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 go for it, man. This so is, Hitchcock please, always cool. said it's pathetic, or he he really laughs at um, when people do the shot from inside the fridge where you're looking like, oh. across the ketchup and seeing the yeah. face of the person. Because he's and listen, I I completely agree with his perspective i think there's always time to break rules but the reason that that's such an important thing to understand and i think a lot of people get wrong because most of the time i find new directors go i just want to get the most dynamic shot which is why a lot of things that you know like you see a lot of people who are doing their storyboard reel and they always do that shot where someone gets thrown back on a three-quarter they get into that superhero pose and like skid backwards you ever see that Mm -hmm. that sure Every storyboarding reel I get has that shot in it. And listen, that's technically very hard to do, and and it's really interesting, and it's very dynamic. But story-wise, you sometimes watch like a lot of these cartoons, and it's just people being thrown into the distance and skidding away on a three-quarter for half an hour. So <laughs> like that is one of those things where POV, point of view, ends up being the most important thing about filmmaking. So when you hear Alfred Hitchcock laughing at a director for going inside the fridge showing, showing the person grabbing the food – and their face, you're like, whose perspective is that? How could someone be in the fridge? Are you saying that there's someone in the fridge? Are you telling the story of the milk at the back of the fridge who's not getting drank? Like, and, that is what... And I would add, if you watched G.I. Joe in the 80s, there was that very, very memorable um, now, you, now you know and knowing is half the battle thing about not hiding in refrigerators because <laughs> you could run out of you air. You get stuck. So it's, it's also a dangerous message. Early. <laughs> that's really funny no but that, that principle is so 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 important like if you're if you're not asking yourself why is the camera there in every single shot you're kind of missing 10 steps like you're 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 already handicapping you're the beginning of your 
storytelling. Lily, I'm going to start asking you this when we're on vacation, when we're filming our home videos. In fact, okay. we just posted yeah, a video of Lily's bat mitzvah. Oh, please, please, please. You don't already the internet was gifted this. The Mike Roberts does not need to see. And you did it on purpose because you could have just used the wide shot if you were so inclined to look at um, his Instagram or whatever. I did actually see the thumbnail. Oh, God. Why, why you know, was the camera the there, Lily? Why was the camera? There was a wide shot where you see everybody equally. Not me <laughs> You decided to start off the clip. I gave you permission to do this, but thinking you'd be on my side. <laughs> There's way too much time exposition of me doing the Macarena alone. <laughs> exposition. I don't <laughs> think that's the right word. Before the camera pans out and then we get the wide shot. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Okay. With it's that. No one ever does the Macarena alone. Uh, oh. <laughs> that's, that should be a tagline for a movie. No one ever does the Macarena alone. <laughs> All right, Lily. Okay, your you, top five. You want five. me to go next? Because yeah. I sound like a dummy compared to Mike. <laughs> oh no! I mean, this is by Literally. far. This is borderline breaking our brand because we promised people nothing, um, uh, nothing timely or important, and um, this is definitely like some of the most important, thoughtful yeah. things anyone's right. ever said. I'm just, I'm not gonna pick. I, I'm just gonna read my list. Like, I don't need to give you like full examples, and I have a bit. I don't know. Okay, my first one is Bridge Over the River Kwai. No, it's, it's not. Great. No, it's not. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% not on my list. <laughs> I still like it. I'm, I, fall, it's, I know it's, it's so famous, but it's definitely. I just wrote it down to sound important. But it's 100% not on my list. <sighs> um, okay, my true list would be uh, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, that's a great one. Um. Rebel without but, a cause. But as I understand oh, yeah. it, you never see the baby. No, you don't see the baby. Okay, all right. I, I like right? that. I like that that you don't Good see choice. the baby because I feel like in in a lot of things, like, not really about the baby. All right. Anyways, okay. So Rosemary's Baby. It's about Rosemary. I think a lot of people think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says it right. Um. It's um. Yeah. So that movie, um, Rebel without a cause. Mm-hmm. That is truly one of my favorite movies. And the tagline, I don't even have to look this up. I know the tagline on that poster is, and they both came from good families. <laughs> I love that. That makes the movie just so much better, even. That movie's so ahead of its time. It's crazy. Oh, it's so ahead of its time when James Dean screams at his parents, you're yep. tearing me apart. Like, that scene is amazing. I just, yep. that movie just blows my mind. It didn't catch um, up until uh, Reality Bites. That's a good point. <laughs> no, I'm sure they did. I just think. No, sorry, that, like, or like, or at least until like John Hughes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. John Hughes. You know? Of course. John Hughes. Um, okay. Then I have um, Barefoot in the Park with Redford also. Listen Ooh, here, fancy pants. Believe me, if there's anyone here that's like going to be like uh, playing for the cheap Barefoot- seats, it's me. I <laughs> no, Barefoot in the Park is like a romantic movie mm-hmm. with Redford and, and Jane Fonda. I love that movie. I did feel um, like my list was too annoyingly masculine. Well, most of the stuff I like and Shy makes fun of me about it is like when they're star-crossed lovers. That's all I need for a movie plot. So, wait, uh, can I guess your next one? Sure. Is it Romeo and Juliet? The uh, no, you know uh, what? I, I thought about putting it on my list, but pff, nothing beats the like Leo one. So okay. I could get that to Claire Danes. Um, and then I have I have okay. So to sound super snooty, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Belle de Jour, the movie. It's a French movie. Oh. 
Did you ever heard? Do you, that movie what? is amazing. French from France or like French Canadian, no. like no, no, Passepartout? France. It's a Bunuel movie. It's a Bunuel, Bunuel movie. Oh, that yeah, movie's yeah, amazing. No, I've never seen it, but I know of it. Oh, yeah. and I, I don't think there's a, they're like too cool for taglines on their posters, but the actual poster of that movie is stunning. Um, and they're then, all just, it says Je t'aime on every French movie poster. Yeah. Like, it's just so good. <laughs> and then I had also <laughs> magnificent. I'll just read the rest of my list. I just had some like it hot magnificent seven. Oh, that's yeah. for our alien. dad. That's our dad's yeah. favorite movie of all time. Yeah. It's a great movie. Then I had 12 angry men and alien. That was hmm. my list. Hmm. That's good. Okay. Alien's good. I just almost count that. Like it, it, it like it's, it's like, a plus it's, five. It's 78, right? Or 79, 78, 79. 79. It's not 80, but... It's 79. No, it's it's 70. I think it's 78 yeah. or 79. I mean, I, listen, I would have put Superman on there. There's like a lot of... And like Godfather, a lot of... There's a lot of movies sure. like that that I feel like don't almost count, even though Godfather... Well, right. Like, I guess like Alien, these are just like so obvious. No, yeah. Alien is not. I mean, Alien is an important, important, important so, film. That's Alien it. was almost number one on my list. I had a really... Yeah. I, had, I had a lot of like potential ties on mine. So mine, okay. are, mine are much more... So we're, we'll go into five, but then we should definitely talk about our, our stuff on the bubble. So my number – because I would originally drawn a top 10. So the five, six, and seven slots of my top 10 were all animated movies, not just because Mike Mike was on, um, uh, but because – No, but animated movies is like a completely different genre. No, but these are – You're going to get people fighting you for saying that. Do you know that whole argument? No, I don't. I'm just saying I don't even know that argument. I'm putting my foot in my mouth by myself. Oh no, I'd hate to do that. I'm just laughing because like the I'll I'll get into that if you want to talk about that. But that's like, you should I, talk I, to I that. I think they too. can compete on the same stage, of course. Like they're they're better if that, if not, you know. I don't think they should be like secluded in their own category, but I just mean there's so many that I love. I completely I, agree with you by the way. I'm just like, like that laughing. I would at do an internet. entire category. Like I, you could do an entire category so, of horror. So you know? I so the but I I talked to so the three that would occupy my fifth spot or my four, five and six, so I'm kind of cheating. Uh, or the five, six, and seven, uh, and I and I rotated these around all in different places. Were the Rankin and Bass version of The Hobbit, and this is again on mm-hmm. watch and rewatch. I mean, this is a movie okay. I've watched hundreds of times. <laughs> Your yeah. brother forces you to watch it. Does it count? Yeah. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> then the other one would have been Watership Down. Uh, oh God! I haven't watched recently. Have you seen Watership Down, Mike? I have, yeah, but not since. Oh. I mean, probably since it scared the I, shit out of you, Jack. Yes. Lily, you know how few books I've read. That is one of the few books I've actually read. Even you might after be having confusing seen the it with the movie. <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> um, I love I love that movie. I love all the stuff going on. And I'm sure if I watch it again now, I'm not ready to watch it with the kids yet because it's particularly. Oh, God, don't do that. To and them, then no. the animated Robin Hood Disney was my other. Oh, that's a great movie. Uh, and such a great movie. still the best version of Robin Hood I ever saw. Do, and still my guys, favorite Disney. Do you guys know there's a new Robin Hood coming out? They're doing it again. Is it oh. with foxes? Because if it's not with foxes, no. I'm not interested. <laughs> no, it's with the kid from The Kingsman. Oh, I like um, Yeah, I did read about that. Man, I love the man. I'm, I I have like said the best love hate relationship with the Kingsman movies. Oh, I like that. Well, okay, so I'll finish my list. We can do the Kingsman. Yeah, so, finish. So, yeah, so that finish. was my number five slot, which was three movies. But so so it would be one of those animated movies. The Hobbit was where I landed right before I I wrote it down. Yeah. And number four would be Animal House, which I recognize. Probably couldn't be made today for a lot of reasons, for a lot of the jokes. But I again, that should have been on my list too. That movie's so good. I've watched that movie again hundreds of times. Could watch it again a hundred more times. I know it by heart. But I also love when you talk about. I don't know again what the film 
an- film school answer to this per se would be, but for me, I feel like so many movies can trace their DNA to Animal House. Like, sure. There's no hangover with Animal House. There's no old school. There's no whatever. American than, Pie. There's no American None Pie. Of- None of those without Animal House. Because, And one of the things I loved about Animal House is that I had seen it. I saw it after I had seen a lot of the movies from our era, the Revenge of the Nerds and, and things like that. All of those <laughs> movies have decidedly happy endings. But when you watch the end of Animal House, the end of Animal House is just abject chaos. Chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the characters are kind of like miserable. I mean, some good things happen to them, but it's just it ends in total chaos. And I, it's a good point. Like I, lives are ruined. Right, like old, old school. Like the movie Old School. I love the movie Old School, but it ends with like a goofy competition and everybody wins in the end. And I, I feel like Animal House is just craziness the craziness of its ending do you uh, want the the, ti- the tagline from that movie <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> just to show you how things have changed since the 60s to the 70s um it was the deltas against the rules and the rules lost <laughs> that's that's pretty accurate so then i actually i'm looking at the site here and it says that it's a romance comedy which is a hilarious way to um <laughs> well, catch it. there's no good romance in that mo- nope. i mean most of the romance in that movie is like illegal I wonder if they call stripes a romance comedy because it's like that's they're about the same, you know, as far as like the romance aspect of it. Stripes is that's a cool movie too, Um, or at least the first half is really cool. Sure, it's got good stuff in it for sure. Um, Okay, so then number so and then number three, two, and one could have all taken the the one spot, but I I landed based on essentially how many times I've watched each one, Uh, Alien. Which yep. for me, I loved as a kid, and I love the Alien franchise. But it's actually, as an adult, rewatching it, I've realized how perfect I think that movie is. How, like, I don't need anything changed in that movie. I don't need anything updated. Any update they've tried to do to Alien, in my view, now that I've seen, and I love all of the movies. I've seen all of them, even the bad mm. ones. I kind of like, <laughs> but that one is is a masterpiece, and it's terrifying, and the acting in it is awesome. All of the actors are are kind of heavy duty. Like when you, I, I suspect when you saw that movie the first time you assumed Tom Skerritt and, you know, Yafit Kodo and, and uh, Ian Holm were the main characters and yeah, for sure. all those guys get off. I, to me, there's just, that movie is awesome. And, it, and the original cut, there's a director's cut. That's like a little bit longer that actually ruins some of the tension for me, but that the original cut of alien to me is perfect. And then the Godfather, the original Godfather, yeah. the first one, I'm not a Godfather 2 guy. Not the third one? Are you sure? I, th- that's a movie that I would love to see kind of like a fan, like, you know, they do the Phantom Menace recuts, you know? Or, oh, or, yeah. I just read that, um, what's his name? Topher Grace? I think it's Topher yeah. Grace did his own cut yeah, yeah. of The Hobbit. I read that in a magazine. Yeah, uh, I the, saw one of them. He does. He actually does a really good job. Oh, that's cool. Oh, you saw one? Jeez, that's mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> yeah, no, they're good. They like they actually, like, they, they do a thing. Sometimes those same things seem kind of like, uh, vain and weird and I don't know he I think he adds to them he makes them he makes there's a reason he does it I think he justifies the the, the quest yeah he well. describes it as like his woodworking which I think is mm-hmm. cool I want to see his Hobbit cut because I the, I think that the three movie version of that is a disaster it's so un- oppressive to watch yeah uh, no, he really knows what he's doing um, and then and then I got to put it at the top even though uh, I'm I'm still traumatized from the Last Jedi. Uh, Star Wars, that's the single most important movie <laughs> I saw in my whole life. And uh, it's, you know, it's always going to, it can't not be in the first slot. It just can't. I, I get it. 
Um, it does hold up too, which is crazy if you think about it. It's so it's 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 like a victim of its of its time. There's nothing else like it in that era of sci-fi. Oh other yeah, other than Alien, but Alien's like a completely different thing. Yeah, and I think and and again, those are those are two movies that every other movie in their genre. The tracing so, of yeah, the is, DNA is, is, mm-hmm. has the DNA of those movies. Um, some others that were on my we can talk about our bubble. You know, on our bubbles was so this is a a, a movie that I saw. When I was probably about nine or ten years old, on the couch in the basement of our Uncle Mario and Aunt Jan's house in Philadelphia, probably when we were visiting for Passover, and it was just on the midday. They had like a midday kung fu movie hour in. <laughs> of course, they did in Philly on the local channels, and it was a movie that, through the grace of the internet, so I remembered it from having seen it. Right, think about that. You see some random movie, not you know, with subtitles, not subtitles, with dubbing in the middle of the day. And then you ne- you don't see it again for 25 more years. And I was like, I the internet is there. I'm going to go down this hole and I'm going to find this. And if you Google, remember, hard, if you Google, Google hard, hard enough. enough mm-hmm. and, I, and I put in all of the things that I remembered from the movie and eventually found my way to it. It is a movie called Crippled Avengers, which wow. is uh, a Shaw Brothers movie. I mean, I didn't know anything about the Shaw Brothers. It's a Shaw Brothers movie directed by Chang Che. And it st- starts the and it stars the guys who are known as the Venoms. They were they did a bunch of actors who did a whole bunch of movies together. Um, the first was the Five Deadly Venoms, and it is about. Oh yeah, it. I've seen I've seen Five Deadly Venoms. Oh, so it's, five. So so it's the it's the second one in that series. Um, uh, it's the second one in that series. And uh, it is about that, you know, one guy gets blinded by the evil villain. One guy gets made deaf. One guy um, uh, gets his legs chopped off and has to build iron legs. And another guy <laughs> gets his brain squished and just kind of Com- asks all silly. Completely and, plausible. So that one is a huge favorite for me. And then I had the Magnificent Seven and MASH uh, on there. Uh, oh, man, MASH. Oh, man. Again. Uh, well, oh, you know what? Oh, I got that. Just I have to interrupt. My oh. favorite movie of all time is um, uh, The Long Goodbye by Robert Altman. Oh, so like really? that. Yeah, that one. That's my favorite movie. Like I just it's like if I had that's my take it to the island movie. Oh, wow, really? Cool. And you just reminded me about that with. Uh, uh, oh, my God. What did you just say? Elliot Gould. Yeah. Oh, with, with, with Mash. Yeah. Because. With he, Mash. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's him and Elliot Gould again. Yeah. That, that Mash is it's similar to Animal House in that like it's. It's kind of a rogue, like the story, the whole thing is just kind of rogue. <laughs> totally. It's like skits. It's not even the, like the show is, I, I mean, the show's great, but I don't love the show the way I love the movie. I think the movie is much edgier and, and more fun. Um, well, the show takes the realness completely out of it. You know, like the movie is like, what's so great about it is you get this like window of actual people in that terror, in that, in that world. Yeah, you know, and the show just makes it a cartoon. Yeah, especially when the show kept going and going and going. Yeah, um, here we are, like we're like, oh yeah, one of the greatest TV shows of all time. We're like, meh. Uh. Listen, I get it. I mean, there's lots of like rusty, rusty sitcoms that I'm sure. I, I always wonder if like my son's gonna feel that way about Seinfeld, but I feel like Mash is great, but it's super rusty. Um, yeah, oh, uh, so, sitcom, sitcom. so we we have now taken up so much of your time. Um, yes, <laughs> would you like the would you like the final word on the on the best movies pre nineteen eighty before we 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 slip on to our shout outs and our goodbyes? No, no, that's great. I, unless I can't remember if there was something you if we were going to address. I thought your lists were great. I was it's a, the main reason I wanted to do it is just to like talk about um, not something that's been gone over and over and over eighties nineties. <laughs> 
zero. Yes. Right. I have to say they were our lists were pretty diverse. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think you guys like I, I love. Uh, I mean, you get there's a couple I have to watch now, and uh, oh, I think cool. It's Cool. Um, can I before I assume before we let Mike go? Can I or Michael, depending on which point of his <laughs> career you're speaking to him at? Yeah, can I a- ask like three <laughs> rapid fire questions? Sure. Okay. One. What do you think about the new feature on Netflix that allows you to skip the intro, having per- created an intro? <laughs> I I want to know. I really want to know. Here's what Tell I'll me. say. I'll say that you have to earn the viewership of the title sequence. Ah. And having your that you did you design the title sequence in Final Space? No, I actually had very very little to do with that one. Uh, uh, ironically, because I would say that like every other frame of the show, I was involved deeply involved in. in. <laughs> but the title sequence kind of went away and came back. You know, like I, I it was like I it was mail order. Uh-huh. I shipped it. You know, uh-huh. those movies were like we're going to ship the interior of the car to the vinyl shop and then it comes back. That's how that uh-huh. title sequence was. Well, I love that title sequence. But I know oh, you have a favorite. Do you have like a favorite? Not besides the ones you've made, but do you have a favorite title sequence? Oh God, that's so hard. Uh, God, I don't know because I always go back to like I was like Doctor No, you know, like really simple, cool things. There's so many. I mean, like Deadpool. There, um, there really is. Dead. Like I'm just trying to even think of modern ones. What's one? Right. Oh, um, God. Uh, I know it sounds crazy, but one of my favorite title sequences from all time, and it's like maybe kind of like really, is um, Hell on Wheels. Do you remember oh. that show? Oh man, that title sequence does everything you needed to I'm do. Gonna that is it. like, oh man, I love that show, but also that title sequence just like sets the tone. It's short. It's the right, you know, because like, I love like Better Call Saul's title sequence. I'm, I'm a big title sequence guy to the point where it's really hard to like shake him out from the noise. Like you'll you'll name them. I'll go, yeah, that one too. Yeah, that one too. <laughs> For like six hours. But like I think up until this exact moment in time, there's never been an actual button that allows you just to forget it ever existed. Well, and I, wow. I think that to me, I, I think that's just business. They're just trying to make sure you don't stop watching. So I get it. Right. You know, they don't want you to wander off. It's but you're right. Reason. If they're good enough, you don't want to skip. Well, and you know, listen, one of the coolest things like Raphael and, and Nolan Steve on BoJack, like if, if I had film school or TV school, it was working with those guys. That's why I was so glad I directed a bunch of like that show would have been good whether I direct. Oh, my God, this is going to sound like a weird humble brag. That show would have been good whether I directed episodes on it or not. That's a humble brag. That show didn't didn't need me is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's an awesome show. What you're I was saying pleased. is you made it amazing. Gotcha. Yeah, of course. No, I, no, I just think like sometimes like I always look for projects that need me, you know, like as in I don't mean me specifically, but like what I have to offer. So um, BoJack, when I did those episodes, I had a lot of fun. They were amazing and I'm super proud of them. But like they would have been good anyway because of the way Steve, Noel, Raphael and the whole team like Lisa and Mike, all those people, the way they work. So, but what I'll say is what I got out of it that I'm lucky and selfishly was sitting in the room with Steve, Noel, and Raphael because they were so good at, and Lisa, and um, they were so good at making something the best version of what it is. So with Bojack, Raphael, I think it was his idea to sort of change it up every time that the plot changed in the mo- in the show. Awesome. And falling in love with those kinds of things are what makes shows great. And that's why, like, you know, whatever he asks me to do, from now on, I will do, you know, because he, it was just like, a, it made me work harder. It made me work better. It, it was, there's a reason that title sequence is good and it's not me. It's the team, you know, wow. well, oh, that's, that's, awesome. that's really cool. Um, and, and the my only other quick question oh, was, sorry. and this is from Becky. Do you get to be in the recording sessions of the voices? Becky wanted to know. Yeah, I actually, 
Yeah, it's it's funny because I like um, I I'm pretty adamant about that because um, in live action it would be absurd for the director not to be involved um, in the the recording. But often it's just the showrunner or um, I guess the supervising director is there sometimes. But usually it's the writer and the showrunner. TV in the movies it's not like that. But I'm pretty adamant because like how is the sh- I, I feel like I'm letting down the showrunner, the writer, the whoever if I'm not kind of aware of what was grabbed in the session. Um, and I also think that the um, the actors need a point of reference that isn't kind of uh, um, the 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 person who's too close to it. I think is the bad person to do the vocal direction sometimes. So I just really <laughs> like being that defense mechanism for the showrunners and the creators. I don't I don't mean they can't do it. I mean that I think it serves them better if you have a director making sure that the performance is what it needs to be and someone who's read all the scripts and knows what one in ten the difference is. So I, I'm pretty adamant about that, even though it's not always the way it's done. I think. Um, I think I, I I try to insist on it if I can and, get to control of it. And I think we, you know, when we're so used to like the classic director cut, do it again, yeah. do it again, right? Like on a yeah. on a live action movie. And so Becky's other question was, do they often have to redo the scenes? Because when they're recording, for some reason, and I in my mind, I'm like, oh, they just record it once and they go home. But does there anybody ever like cut? You got to redo it again. You mean like like they say it once? Or Lily, Lily, like, they're acting. They still have to like do different takes. Oh, Becky asks, and she's in the industry. Do they often need to re-record scenes? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of ways you do it. So you 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 sometimes you record it and then you put it all together in the animatic and you things aren't working or there are. So usually the first stage is you kind of get the page down. You do some ad libbing. You get sort of a body of of of. Um, building blocks of vocally. And if the script's right and everything, the stars align, you maybe got away with it in one session. But more often than not, you edit it together and you go, oh God, this is working, but this line doesn't quite work, or this line doesn't quite work. Okay. So you write yeah. down all those lines, then you go re-record that uh, on another- Those, those specific lines. Yeah, or you know, or whatever. Sometimes you redo the whole scene, sometimes you do like two lines. And then the third option is you get it all back from color and it's not quite right and you redo it for tone or whatever. Although at that point, um, you're really in trouble if you're changing it too much because the lip sync's all done. So uh, that becomes ADR, which is where you just sort of get the actor to read the timing. So they can change the tone. They just have to get the mouth movements as close as possible. So it's kind of, it's very malleable, which is, I think, is the safety, right? Like if it was get it once and you're stuck with it, that would be terrifying. Um, but usually you can kind of work through the issues. Well, it must be so fun to be in those sessions. I'm imagining. I don't know. I love the edits and I love the the recording. Uh, the only the hard part for me is, and and this happens with same with being on set with actors is, you always are at the mercy of of the temperament of the moment. So you, mm. it's a constant balance of pissing off an actor because a lot. Here's a lot of the thing that happens with animation, especially is you hire like Patrick Warburton and he comes in and you go, okay, well this character is a goofy sponge. Can you make his like uh, wait goofy sponge? I'm not talking about. SpongeBob because Tom Kenny's a genius. Hold on, let's go into neutral territory. This is a chipmunk. Can you, Patrick Warburton? Can you be a high pitched chipmunk? And he goes, oh, I'm Patrick Warburton. Why did you bring me in to play a chipmunk? And that <laughs> happens all the time where you piss off the actor because you're going, Why don't you try? Like, remember that famous thing with William Shatner being like, I say it sabotage. Why are you telling me to say sabotage? Did you ever hear that? <laughs> oh, but I like it. Oh my god, it's like the best example of a director pissing off someone in the booth. It's like textbook. I would just Google it. It's the best. But essentially, they're going like, "Hey, William Shatner, I love you. Can you be less William Shatner?" And he's right, like, "Right, right." Oh, I goddamn can't. 
Um, and I think that's a really interesting lesson. Like we had an actor who I, I won't say names because he's probably he's awesome. He probably would like be fine with me telling the story. But anyway, he's a pretty famous actor. You'd laugh. You knew who it was. I'll tell you later. And he was famous for being a, like hard to work with, temperamental and mean. And we all were like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So he comes in and he meets and he's really nice, super nice guy. And I said, OK, uh, nice to meet you. Here's what we usually do. We do three takes and we pick the best one. He goes, why would I need to do three takes? <laughs> oh, man. And I'm like. Well, okay. Um, Please tell me one. that's Clancy Brown. No, Clancy Brown is oh. he, he's uh, this was not Dallas and Robo. So, but, oh, okay. but Clancy Brown Lily, is uh, similar. If he's not going to say the name, don't just, try to get him to say it. I would love Clancy Brown to say that to me, and I'd shit my pants. <laughs> no, Clancy Brown's the best. He actually is like super supportive. Oh God, and, he's and, in Buckaroo Banzai, and, the greatest really, movie of all yeah. time. And, and he does voices in so many awesome things. Yeah, yeah. But, but he's on Billions. He's amazing. It was funny because he's like, so we did, we went into the booth with him and, and I, and the showrunner, we would, we do a line and it was good. It was always good. And, and, and basically I would say good enough maybe is the way to explain it. It wasn't, it was, uh, and I'm good enough isn't even fair. It was great. And then the showrunner would be like, mm, what about this? What about this? And I was like, just trust me. Let's just let him do his thing <laughs> one at a time. Because so we did one, two, three, four, five. We did about 10 takes like that. And he's like, all right, I feel like we got a good rhythm down. I'd like to go back and um, oh, go and try this line again. And we did, and we got through the whole thing, and it was perfect. So and I feel like, what's that? Sorry, I was going to say. So these are professionals; they know their, they know kind of how to get to their spot. Yeah, and if you're casting someone and you need to change them, that's your fault. So that's why I like. That's what I. That's one of the things that um, you hear these these stories about people being difficult in the booth. It's probably because you um, either made them feel self conscious and they reacted with anger, or you aren't protecting. Because the director's job is to protect the actor. Oh, that's really cool. I'm um, fascinated. Oh, okay. Um, we we should wrap up, even though I could really talk to you forever. You're literally that's... like, really stop asking this man questions. Um, <laughs> oh, I had one little one at the end. I just quick. I'm not. I, well, well, I don't have that much of a time crunch. So oh, I mean, no, I, 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 there's I, no rush. Um, uh, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. They mean anything yeah. to you? Are they? Yeah, those are great. Those, those those ones, you know what? Those ones earned their three quarter backflip landscape along the ground. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh, to me, those are those snuck up on me. I've said it before on the podcast, but that's the first thing I've loved as much as Star Wars since I was a kid, and I only started watching those recently, um, in the last year and a half or so that I watched those. But wow, those I love are... anything that's better than it needs to be, and that's exactly what those shows are. They're like better than they need to be. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. That's awesome. Um, okay, so with that, um, shout outs. Do you have any shout outs, uh, Mike? You got the floor? Yeah. I mean, you know, if we're talking, uh, uh, I probably should shout out to Dallas and Robo and, and John Cena and Kat Dennings for caring and the rest of the ensemble crew is just so amazing and huge to even talk about. Uh, Matt and Andy, I think, did a great job. And uh, I want to shout out to Suzanne Kiley, who I didn't. Um, mentioned she was the, the the sort of third hero writer on that and i think her her voice really really honed dallas and all the other characters and she created a lot of really interesting stuff that stuck that that wasn't there at first and she brought to the piece um yeah and then you know final space uh, just saying hi to everybody on final space um and uh yeah i think i already shouted out the bojack guys cool awesome lil so yeah my shout outs are just as good um <laughs> I'm going to shout out to Jane Lynch and Tim Blake Nelson, who um, are amazing in so many ways. And I love that they are also on your show. And um, yeah, that's about it. So, <laughs> I'm good. 
So I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna shout out to well you shouted out to all the shows so BoJack and and Final Space and Dallas and Robo those are terrific on Netflix TBS and YouTube Red uh, respectively yeah watch Final Space now internationally on Netflix which oh is wow really cool awesome okay so people, uh, yeah we have like a game we, changer for me we have <laughs> international we have international it's now it go, I think it's there right now it probably should be oh. right. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh but also, you know, uh you know, equally famous cousin Vanessa and Oh yes, equally famous as Kat Dennings and, for sure. And, and to our mom and her chicken burger burgers which are starting <laughs> which are starting a like texting revolution from her friends who are sending us angry texts over the chicken burger incident. That's that's the last episode. I was very entertained by your full family episodes. I think those are hilarious. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Those are yeah, we always we always we like to mix those up with the like super uh, ones where we have like intelligent guests. We need to balance them. <laughs> no, but uh, it's got a real genuine dynamic that I think is really relatable. It's oh, funny. Thanks a lot, man. And uh, and and you, sir, would you, uh, people should follow you on Twitter. Where can they follow you? Or oh yeah, follow your work? yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I feel like Twitter is one of those things that I do because like my manager tells me to do it. Um, cause I don't feel like I have particularly anything to share on Twitter, but Instagram is like, I'm a, I'm a drawer, I'm an animator. So I love it. I will, I will say that you should definitely be honest how you feel about Twitter. So I'm glad I, you felt like you could. And, um, thank God you're not that into it because that's why you responded to shy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think of Twitter as like, it's like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't think anything good has ever happened on Twitter. And I think a lot of good, has um, except that we met you. So oh, yeah, thank no, you on Twitter. As a kind of public instant messaging system, if it was sort of relegated to that, I'd be into it because <laughs> I do I do like that I met you guys and and we I found a few people on there that I I now you know glad I'm in contact with but um but I feel like Instagram I actually have something to share. <laughs> oh, and you're and I have to say I, yeah, I love super. following your Instagram because most of the time when you put stuff and like you write the program that you used, which I think is very cool, like you say what you use to create the piece that you're using. And I know for shy who likes to animate, you know, as a hobby and stuff, that's fun. But I often will read it and be like, Oh my God, I wouldn't know how to turn that on. (laughs) Whatever that program is, like it makes me think Uh, of like, you made that and that. Well, I mean, I use a lot of programs where it's like someone made it and I'm taking all the credit for it. So if you don't kind of like, cause I also like, I make most of my stuff. I draw everything I post, but a lot of the times I'll kind of buy 3d models and play around and animate with them. Um, so I really try to like shout out to the people who actually made the stuff if it wasn't. So it's essentially it's by me unless otherwise stated. And I really think that giving credit to people who program your operating system that makes it possible to have After Effects, which is another program, like all those people deserve cool. That's you know, awesome. as much credit as I do. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, really your cool. doodles are also amazing. I mostly just doodle like squares. <laughs> and your doodles are very cool oh man I, the ipad pro is like the best thing that ever happened that pen oh. on the ipad pro oh my god yeah, i'm it, so with it, it. Go, it it goes yeah it goes everywhere with me as well and i mean, I mean again i feel silly saying that but <laughs> yeah oh but doodling that's it man have you ever seen okay another 19 i think it's 80s actually is wings of desire i'm gonna digress one more time then i'll let you i'm no. sorry but to derail but peter falk in wings of desire you know that movie nope no okay if you're a I'm sketch- writing all these down. Yeah. Okay. okay, so here's the thing. I feel safe to say, forget the rest of my list, and the next chance you get, watch Wings of Desire with Peter Falk. Okay, done. And it, and you'll see, you'll see exactly why. Okay, cool. It, it will be done. It will be done. Um, uh, Lily, where can people follow you? Um, Chichi K. Gomez. So, Mike, you would have to go back to my previous episodes to find out why that is my Twitter handle. 
<laughs> but long story short, I'm the only one that doesn't have a middle name. And because of our Latin background, since our mom's Cuban, I just basically as a child gave that one to myself. <laughs> Never been able to live that down. So I've embraced it. Um, so, and my husband's last name is Gomez, which I think is hilarious. So wait, spell it. How do you make sure? So Chi Chi C H I C H I. Oh, Chi Chi Gomez. Okay. Chi Chi. And then K is from my own last name. And then Gomez is not my name, but I, it's my husband's. And I just think it's hilarious that that's his last name. So it goes so well with Chi Chi. So it's, uh, Chi Chi K Gomez on the Twitter, um, application. And, oh, Twitter. And, yeah, on Twitter. And, and you can follow me at Pancake for Table on Twitter and Instagram. And um, uh, you can uh, uh, follow all of the shenanigans at pancakefortable.com. And you can write or review us, share us with your friends. And uh, with that, the music's going to kick in and uh, we're going to end the show. So you have to dance in your chair, Mike. I know we can't see you in the, in the video oh, screen anymore. Take my word dance. for it. Yeah, exactly. Take your word for it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank Mike, you. And Mike, you're invited thank back you so anytime. Much. Thanks, man. No, why? Why can't I? I the only one who can see the three of us. You you can see the three of us. <laughs> I can see the three of you. The reason that you don't get why he was sounding weird is because he was using the earbuds. Those like cool Apple earbuds. He's famous, right? They use that kind of stuff. Oh no! Now okay, now I see where his house must be. Okay, that makes sense now. What I just did you thought think you were looking at. <laughs> I thought it was like here. <laughs> I thought it was your living room. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a split screen, so you just thought there was like a red couch. Yeah. But he was in the frame a second ago. He I didn't, didn't notice. Like, did you now. think that was Jose just like sitting next to me? <laughs> he didn't do like a good looking Canadian dude. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God, isn't it weird that he sounds so Canadian? It's like comforting.